Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and wellness. We are so glad you're listening. Merry Christmas. If you can't tell already, today's episode is going to be a bit festive theme. We are talking about difficult holiday conversations. What do you do when the talk around the Yule Log gets a bit awkward? Perhaps someone in your family likes to get political. Maybe you're just tired of circling back to talking about work and employment. Well, today we're going to be talking about ways you can shift the subject and keep the holidays merry and festive. Here to talk about all that are Lindsay Geist, Evan DeYoung, and Michael McCord. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Not Alone podcast. I am Evan DeYoung, and I'm joined by Lindsay Geist and Michael McCord. Say hi to the peoples. Hey, everybody. Hello. Good to see everyone. I, I'm kind of curious, though. Do you have to turn the volume down when our podcast starts? Because you know that Evan's going to come in. Like, is it one of those moments you're like, I mean, you come in hot. Every Justin time pulls it. Justin pulls people. it down. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> so for anybody, uh, just imagine that being uh, 10 times louder in our ears uh, as we kick off the episode. Yeah. Justin Patton, our editor. Thank you. We love you, Justin. Just pretty much listens to just my audio track and slides it up and down as needed one time through and then edits the rest of the podcast because I'm <laughs> so bad at volume control. Uh, well, everybody, we are so thrilled to be here with you, kind of wrapping up our recordings for the year. I'll let you discern what year you think it is. How is it almost the end of 2021? Yeah, no. Time I don't is know, a- but I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> time is an imaginary object. It's, time it's just created. really feels like it's it a prison has of no our meaning. own design. Do you, do you remember when we started 2021 and we're like, Thank goodness 2020 is over. This is going to be so much better. It was yeah. better. It really? I mean, I guess it was. It was better. It was there better. Were parts of 2020 that I liked better than parts of 2021 and probably vice versa. I think 2021, it was like, there was lots of hope at the beginning, um, being vaccinated and what's going to change and all sorts of stuff. Um but then it's like all of a sudden we were back to the races and I don't know about y'all, but I was working a zillion days a week again um, and going out and about and meeting lots of people. And I really missed some of the quieter solitude and restfulness and mindfulness of 2020. I don't miss the depression. <laughs> The social isolation. I was I self-diagnosed. I don't mean to make light of uh, depression, but I, you know, I think probably that's probably as close as all Evie's ever gotten. That's yeah. me. I'm all Evie. But in, in fitting with today's topic of conversation, what I probably missed the most in 21 that I missed of 20 was that intense family time. Mm. We had we had lots of family time. Well, we'll have yes. great news because this week's episode is all about how to have conversations with those people that might be a little challenging for you to have conversations with. Now, you mean all the extended family that uh, people got to bypass last year um, for holidays because we didn't kind of do extended family, and then this year they're going to get to spend quality time with again. You, exactly. You you shut up at Thanksgiving or you're going to see them at Christmas and all of a sudden you realize that 
somewhere between last year and this year, they became massive anti-vaxxers. And you didn't know that? And you just showed up? Yeah, those kinds of moments? Yep, we call those a little whoopsie surprise. (laughs) Yeah, I brought potato salad and my radical beliefs. So this, this is an episode, not, not just about family. It could be a Friendsgiving, maybe mm-hmm. a, a holiday party, some friends that maybe you haven't connected with. But the desire was, let's have a conversation about what it looks like to facilitate good table chatter and healthy table chatter and how to divert uh, especially with the holidays in mind, people get it together in the winter, people will be gathering. I think we could all say that after not having all of our regular social rhythms, I think part of our brains that helped us connect with folks who think differently than us uh, probably is a little, uh, I'll say underdeveloped right now for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And the, the tolerance for, uh, let's just say the... Uh, the free market of ideas uh, might, might be a little challenge in our society. It's just a little tough to disagree right now. And we wanted to give you everything that you need to have a successful, nice interaction at your party, New Year's gathering, future endeavor, 4th of July, when you get together with family and friends. It could, it's, it's not just holiday limited, but I think so. We'll be good. So, so thinking about this gathering uh of people coming together um what's what's some of the worst questions y'all have gotten so lindsay are you just fully embracing celibacy (laughs) are you so lindsay do you want to get married like do you want Uh, to meet someone is that something that you want yeah because it seems like you're the kind of person that like if you want something, you accomplish those goals. And this just, it seems like maybe if it's not happening, you don't really want it. So, so Evan, uh, when are you going to have kids? And is that something, you know, you can't wait around forever and you are yeah, getting older. Up? And so if biological clock is ticking, is my ticking. Friend. yeah. We have two dogs. Uh, Roosevelt's going to hit primary school soon. Uh, so we're really excited. We've got him in a really good doggy pre-K. You know, having kids is kind of an important thing that, I mean, if we're going to really live into our biblical calling, we should be uh, multiplying. Yeah. Expanding the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Michael, it's good to see you again. I, I haven't seen you in a while. I was just wondering... Do the, kids just, do the kids just do whatever they want or do you guys like, I mean, cause like, you know, we, te- we are I mean, free, do you need some free parenting range tips? parenting. Yeah. <laughs> I would love from my single and childless friends to offer me some parenting tips for how to raise children the biblical way. Oh, goodness. There are, oh, the other one that lots of people have been getting is so when are you going to have another kid that you know friends of mine that have had one child and the child maybe we don't live the, in china the best is when they're like three months old and people are like so you are you thinking about sibling for them at some point they're three months old you probably have not even slept through the night yet um you're not thinking about uh creating another child if anything you're like 
looking at your spouse going, don't touch me. I really want to sleep right now. <laughs> There's been some interesting ones, some uh, breakups and second marriages. Um, I'm really glad you're here. I like you a lot better than the other one. Yes. Mm. Yes. That one's always, you know, it, it looks, Evan, it looks like the COVID-19's done well on you. Like uh, this, this may be the year for you to kind of get back in the gym. You know? Oh, I tell you what, I've been getting in the gym and that's because I named my fridge, the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Meta to the gym, everybody. Anybody need any more oh, Buffalo chicken dip? Goodness. Those mission yeah. tortilla chips. Yum, yum, yum. So, I, so do you want to move up the corporate ladder? Is that something that's important to you? Um, because right now it seems like you're just kind of lazy and where you're at. And I thought that you'd might want to make some more money or <laughs> that is all true. Do a little more. <laughs> <laughs> that is all true. My favorite is the little little comments. Like it all comes down to little comments, not directly at anyone, but like that's right. Like I would rather someone come up to me and say, I can't believe you didn't vote for Donald Trump. Then the little like slight little cuts, you know, like just come head on. Like if you if you're mad at me about my political decisions, just say that. You know? Yeah. Like I'm just peeling a potato and I'm like, oh, this I can't get this peeler to work. And they're like, mm, that's the government for you. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, goodness. Uh, I, or, it's not it's not a complete family weekend if I'm not somehow referred to as a communist. Because I feel like okay. that just, you know, because we don't have, there's, there's not like any kind of gray area. It's either you are Republican or you're a communist, you know, or. I, I yeah. even think also about um, my cousin's uh, kids are applying to college right now and uh, they, they are waiting to hear back where they're getting in. Oh, there's nothing like asking while you're waiting. Yes. So like, where do you, where do you really want to go? What's your number one? Where do you think you'll get in? What are you going to major in? What are you going to major in? Yes. What job are you going to get? Oh my Do you think you'll stay with Tiffany even after you guys go to college? Are you going to go together? (laughs) Sorry. Somebody named Tiffany's like, what? (laughs) I mean, asking that question of where do you want to get in? But what do you want to major in? Hello. I don't do. I answered that question one way at 17 and 18. Um, I don't use my college degree anymore. Oh, I do all the time. I do. I majored in recreation. I use mine too. My study of neurophysiological psychology has helped me every day in my work. Okay. My math degree. um, See, you chose math. You chose wrong. (laughs) I chose wrong. You go yeah. Shopping. Are you ever going to use that undergrad degree or were yeah. we right when we talked to you about it when you were 18 years old, Lindsay? I mean, yeah, we told Am you I going to make something. Math. Am I going to make something of myself? I, I told you to go to law school, Lindsay, instead of going to seminary. And now look, if you had just listened to me. Yeah, if I had just listened. <laughs> I mean, what I like that we're laughing so much about this, because in those moments, it is so painful. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that there's there's some, there's some real tactics that we could do to really help these interactions and conversations to go well. But I think if we're at the point, 
where somebody says something and we feel all our blood vessels open up and the rage build up inside of us. We've probably not done what we need to do boundary wise for ourselves to not get to that point. Cause I think once we feel the righteous rage <laughs> start to well up inside of us, we've probably, we've probably let it go a little too far either. And I think, I think sometimes for a lot of us, we just have to do some prep work before we're going to see some people. Right. I mean, like we, we need to think in our head, what is this going to be like? What are they going to say? When they bring this up, what's my response going to be? Because I think I, I I love I love I love a good discussion, right? And I'll just say I love a good argument. But I think when it comes to large forums, those aren't really the appropriate places to have these discussions. Because I think it uh, you don't think about how it maybe somebody else had different expectations for what this like family time was going to be. And so if you want to get into it about a certain topic that maybe you're kind of stealing the joy from somebody else to make it about you and your issues, you know, maybe that's just something we can think about here going into this uh, season. Yeah. I think it's the blindsiding that like, it's, I think it's healthy. My family, I love that my family can have robust and sometimes even emotional conversations mm-hmm. about politics or whatever, you know, family drama or history, whatever, like those need to happen. Like, I think, yeah. I think there is some point in which families try to avoid having those conversations. And so eventually they explode into these kind of moments of rage over a Thanksgiving or a Christmas meal or, or, or a funeral or a wedding or something, you know, all those places where the pressure is high, but it's the blindsiding that's really hard. Like it's, it's one thing you say, you know what, let's have this conversation, you know, about whatever we need to talk about. But, but when someone shows up at the table and, you know, drops something in the middle of the table in front of everybody that's what it's really pretty pretty hard to deal with so are you are you a deflector or are you a meet it head on type person historically historically <laughs> what do you think <laughs> <laughs> um i think uh i think you attempt to deflect one or two times, but have probably already done that since somebody walked in the door. And then by the time mealtime hits, you can't take it anymore. That feels like, feels it's, like my yeah, read on it, Michael. The, the beauty, the beauty of, of having um, a mini me as a son is that I have a wingman. And so who doesn't have a filter? Uh, so someone, <laughs> someone <laughs> will just handle it for you. Yeah. Freaking someone, Batman and Robin. <laughs> it's, it's totally true. You know, someone drops some kind of something. Austin's going to respond to it in some outlandish way. And then that'll, that'll uh, get things going. But no, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I, I've, I've learned to hit, just hit things head on. That's just, I'd rather, you want to talk about that? Sure. We can talk about that. And then usually that quiets everything down because someone's trying to make a position. Usually. Well, it also makes me think of why do people ask the questions that they do? And I have to take a step back and say they're attempting to connect, uh, usually in a way that's not healthy or helpful, but they're attempting to. Um, It also kind of tells me about the person what they value or they believe that people should value. Um, if, and so it, in some ways it's like, we have come with this pre-scripted idea of what you should have accomplished 
or what is important or what comes next um, in life. And we only know how to talk about those linear things um, that, that life should happen, that uh, if you work hard enough in high school, then you get into the college that you want to. Mm. Uh, we don't ever talk about like what happens when you don't get in where you want to. We focus only on you're going to get in where you dream to get in. Then if you work hard enough in college, you get exactly uh, the best first job. Um, and then uh, you will always move into the better job and better job. And along the way, you're going to meet the person that's your soulmate. Um, and hopefully that happens between. Between, you know, about 18 and 30, two kids. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, you talk lots about your kids and then when they're going to, where they're going to go to school. And then where do you dream of retiring? And you're going to be allowed to go wherever you dream because all of us are going to be financially stable enough <laughs> to do that. I thought um, you just captured my entire life story right there. Yeah, I'm moving in with Michael when I retire. Oh. <laughs> Because I'll be still be working. <laughs> we all will. And we'll have to move into one giant house. We'll be the Weasleys. <laughs> well, the Golden Girls. Call us the Golden yes. Boys. What's crazy is that we have so much of this linear idea in our heads that we don't know what to do when we don't follow that linear pattern. It makes people so uncomfortable. And um, I, I mean... I think my favorite was like when I first finished grad school and was working and each job I took, everybody was like, this is so exciting. You know, is this a big raise or big deal or why'd you switch and everything? And I finally, one day I looked at somebody and was like, um, every job I've taken right now has been a pay decrease <laughs> for the first few <laughs> I've years. I've steadily cut my pay <laughs> I have steadily more responsibility somehow. Exactly. I'm a wizard well, at this. <laughs> People all looked at me and I'm like, it, the world doesn't work quite as linear. Congratulations, listener. You have unlocked the hidden podcast, Never Alone, a podcast that is less lonely than its original predecessor. Just kidding. We had some technical difficulties with Zoom recording this episode, so we're going to roll back the tape a little bit and start over right now. Tell me more about what you meant by like a linear path. Like you would go to like high school to college, college to your job. And how does so, that impact family conversations? Okay. So everybody has this kind of belief or understanding um, or perception that life is really linear. So if you work really hard in high school, then you'll get into the college that you want to. We don't ever talk about the colleges that you don't get into. You get in exactly exactly where you dreamed of. You study what you want. You get out, you get the great job that you had been dreaming about. That's totally going to fit your niche right away. Right. Y'all, we all took the first job that totally was what we dreamed about. And, um, I personally dreamed of selling women's shoes at Dillard's. <laughs> and why that did was you exactly get... what you did. And let's, re let's, re let's all be reminded why you took a job selling shoes at Dillard's. Well, two things. One, I loved ministry and they couldn't pay me. So I had to get a second job to be able to pay me. And two, I thought I was going to meet my wife at Dillard's. <laughs> Michael took a job as a shoe salesman at Dillard's to meet women. <laughs> I didn't realize that women of my age didn't shop at Dillard's. 
19 year old Michael <laughs> looking to meet chicks. <laughs> Does it for <laughs> Clausen at Dillard's? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh goodness, goodness. So for many of us, um just case you, in point, it sometimes it all does work out. It's it's linear. You get your yes, dream job. But also you were just going on to the next linear thing that you get your dream job, and then somewhere between 18 and 30. All of a sudden, you're going to find the love of your life. Maybe uh, selling shoes, um, which I'm is saying it's possible is not how you met your wife in the end. But maybe, nope. um, and so then you find uh, the love of your life, the one you know, the only one person out of millions out there. You find between eighteen and thirty, um, and God has preordained that you should find like a. And, and it's like a scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. And then you find them. And then uh, you immediately have two kids or more because you wouldn't want to only have one uh, and leave that one sibling, you know, lonely. And so you have two kids and then you always move up the corporate ladder doing something bigger and better. Then your kids get into the college they want to. Uh, you can afford all of that. And then you can retire anywhere you want because you are financially stable. Um, I just again that, want to reiterate, I'm moving in with Michael on retirement. <laughs> Maybe we should, we'll all just move in together. And Evan has the swimming pool. So I think that's the, yeah, that's where we're going to go. Oh, you can get here goodness. if you do the maintenance. <laughs> but, so I, I absolutely think so. So in, there are a couple of things I think going on. There's maybe many things going on actually. <laughs> But I think you're right. Like, so there is a presumption of a linear progression mm-hmm. in people's lives. I think that's especially true in baby boomers and older generations where much of in that the church kind, world. Yeah. In the church world. I think that's a very, that's a, that is a normative experience for many of them. Mm-hmm. I also know it's not true for a lot of them too. So I, I, you shouldn't say that, but, but I do think that's, a presumption about how life works because in a lot of ways that's how it worked in the 60s and 70s it's how it worked for and, them yeah and mm-hmm. especially especially if you're in a methodist church like like we all live in which are predominantly middle class to upper middle class individuals so they've had that very sort of linear experience which mm-hmm. is just different than what a lot of people have so anyway there's that but i think interest increasingly so I was at a at a church recently talking about they want to start a ministry with young people. And I was saying, you know, it's the challenge we're up against. One of the challenges we're up against is that 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 society is highly segmented by age. And so mm-hmm. as you grow up as a child in the church and in your school, preschool, like throughout that, you're you're always grouped in your age group, a very small group. In athletics, you're you're in a you know a band of like three to four ages. When you get to church, it used to be that church was the one intergenerational experience you could have in your life that was enriching and and stayed with you throughout your formative years of life. But now church is highly segmented. Uh, senior adults are in their group, married with children is a group, married with no children, singles, and and then children um, are all isolated in these bands, these these smaller and smaller bands of people in their similar situation. And so by the time, and then when you go to college, you're still segmented. And so by the time you get a job and you're a young adult, you have not had many 
experiences with people outside of your generational band. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, and I, I guess I, I have thought that, and I've, I've, I've shared that a lot in, in consulting work, but for whatever reason, it hit me in a way that I hadn't, I had not thought about when I was sharing that. It's like the, the opposite of that is true as well. So senior adults today, because the children have been removed from their lives have had, so, you know, empty nester senior adults, both of them, they really have had no interaction or very minimal interaction with people younger than And so they don't genuinely know how to have a conversation with someone who's not in their band. And that I think is what we're experiencing when we come to these tables at family. it's, it's, It's one of the rare moments of intergenerational activity and nobody knows how to do it well because nobody's doing it anywhere else. And so you reach for the low hanging fruit, which is in my normative experience, when I was 20 something, I was in the school that I wanted to be in and I had met and was dating who would future be my husband or my wife or my spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if I was 30, then I would already had kids and I was moving up and like, we're trying to, in a situation that we're completely uncomfortable with because we've not interacted with anybody who's differently aged than us. We are like, okay, what's normal for me must be true for them. So let me ask a question about that. It's interesting. I find that I, uh, with a lot of people that are of different generations, um, I do, I I encourage people to do some comparison, not in a bad way, but like, okay, I'm the same age that you were when you and your life looked like X, Y, and Z, and we are the same age, um, to help put in perspective too that uh, when you don't hit all of those linear perceived milestones, uh, it's hard for people to also think that you are continuing to age. Mm, yeah. When you also are just trying to share with people, no, I'm simply having an alternative experience than you had. Um, mm. And I... I wish that at family conversations and friends and all these gatherings, we asked more open-ended questions of what is something really hmm. exciting happening in your life right now? Ooh, proactive. Mm-hmm. Or what is something that you really value and hope happens next year? I like, I like the structure discussion. Lindsay, is this where we go around and say what we're thankful for? I'm, I mean, not, I'm not, no, I'm not, that, that's not meant as a joke, that's not meant as a joke, but yeah. I'm saying that, that, that I tip something that rather than just try and avoid what will be difficult, creating some structure around good memories is a, a very fascinating tactic. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it be well, successful? Yes, because I think that it's helpful to kind of educate one one another. What do you, what do you value or what's hard for you right now or challenging? Um, or what is your life like right now? It's simply trying to help us relate to one another. So I, it, in some cases have used, like, I think, I think the pattern that you talked about, Evan, like, what are we thankful for? 
it's coming up with these questions beforehand is kind of an interesting approach to family get togethers or, or just any kind of friends get together, Friendsgiving, family, Thanksgiving, whatever Christmas, because when we, when we don't set those out, then we'll, we will revert to what's most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that is to talk about ourselves and ask people questions through our lens. And that isn't necessarily helpful as we've just described over the beginning of this, this episode. So thinking about some creative questions that you can, and, and, you know, write them down and put them on the, in the table so anyone can ask them. Yeah. So it's not just Lindsay, the therapist who's guiding us through a <laughs> constructed experience, you know, but anyone like here, just, you know, make it kind of fun and say, here, here's the questions that, that we want to ask today as we're sitting here just to, you know, widen so, the base of conversation. So I you think can you, go ahead, Lindsay. You can buy those like table topics boxes or different things and scatter them across the table or pull one out and ask. One of my favorite family memories is we had that box and we pulled it out. And my grandmother that's passed several years ago, uh, the question that we pulled out was if you could do one Olympic sport, uh, I think it was winter Olympics or something. If you could do one winter Olympic sport, what would you do? And before we even had time to go around the table, my grandmother shouts out the luge. We all just looked at her like what in, in her late eighties, that was the first thing that came to mind. And we just kind of looked at her I have to agree. and okay, that would be yours too. It was just so atypical of not what I would have anticipated with her and We laugh so hard and we still talk about it to this day of how certain she was of what she would have tried to do. Do you think at 80, maybe she was just delusional? (laughs) 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 I have, I have a resource for you, for everyone. Um, I use this tool a lot, uh, especially like on road trips with like new staff members. So Mm -hmm. um, people that you may not have, like Evan and I have been traveling together for a long time, so we don't many moon, many moon. Yeah, you have plenty so. of things to talk but, about. But uh, and this was given to me by my good friend and my former boss, uh, Bridget Young Ross. Uh, and hi, Bridget. Yeah, hi, Bridget. If you listen, that would. That would oh, she day. listens. I miss her. Um, anyway, it's the it's thirty six questions that lead to love. Now I know that may sound weird when I was just talking about coworkers and Bridget. But it's these 36 questions. It's on the New York Times. You could just Google 36 questions that lead to love New York Times and you will get them. And And if the New York Times would be a triggering topic for your family, just go ahead and copy and paste them and don't tell them it came from the Times. Tell them it came from the Washington Post. It's fine. (laughs) I got this from the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) Whatever you need, you could just claim it as your own if you want. That's up between you. But in any case, 36 questions, and it's just 36 different questions. You can't, you may not want to use all of them, uh, but there's some really fun ones. For example, um, given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want to have as a dinner guest? Which is always interesting to me, the people that people choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the favorite, one of my favorite ones, before you making a phone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? Ooh. I do not. If you were if you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you rather have? 
I feel like my mind's already going, so I'm going to have to say Bobby. <laughs> but that's gone too, so I don't know. No, I'm what, I, what I love about these questions is they're all getting to know you questions, and they can be not superficial, but they, they're non-threatening um, because you can choose how much you share. That's but right. But also, they can be real connectors because people may share a lot more. Yeah. And they get progressively more interesting as you go along. So you you could kind of, you know, if you could wake up tomorrow and have gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Yeah, robot which is, arm. Which is like a deeply revealing and vulnerable question to really mm-hmm. answer. You know what? Because you're really talking about what do you wish you could do that you can't do? Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it asks in a way that's more like a superpower. Like what if you could just gain one thing? Um, so anyway, I give that to you guys because I think that sometimes it's, it's hard to come up with those. Not all of us are therapists and have great open-ended questions. And I felt like this is a collection of 36 questions that you could print out and cut and and then cut up and put in a jar and people just pull them out and ask the question. And my advice would be, if you know your family, make it into a game where you assign a point value to each of the questions and they're in an envelope. So you say, Hey, everybody, this is a one point question and you keep score and whoever is the most vulnerable throughout the entire meal or hangout it's wins the a prize. Pie? Yeah. I get the whole pie. <laughs> Cause I got um, body of a 30 year old. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and the mind of a 90 year old. The mind so of a 90 year old. doesn't matter. It's, I love questions like this of just getting to know you questions. Um, I know that I have uh, shared with y'all before that for a lot of the pandemic, I uh, spent time with my parents and um, we had several houses together uh, that is called the driveway posse. And um, the text chain is hilarious still. And we get together and um Still, most of the time when I'm up visiting my parents, uh, sit in the driveway still. Um, But it became a running joke that when we got together, everybody would go, okay, Lindsay, what's our big question for the night? (laughs) Because once we were spending that much time together in the pandemic, you can't say like, how was your week? What'd you do? Because none of us did anything. And And, and it was all depressing. And so... We started asking, like, what's your favorite book that you've read? Or what's the book that you finished most recently? Um, Or we said, when you went to, when you were 18 and went to college, what did you think you wanted to do with your life? And are you doing that now? Um, Uh Uh-oh. That one was fascinating because most of the group said, here's what I thought I'd be doing. And no, I'm not doing that. Mm. Um, So it was neat to talk about how we've all changed um and see like i said not all of us are therapists and have great open-ended questions so but you could buy a box you could either go to michael's list that he recommended on the new york times or you can uh there's plenty of things on amazon where you can buy a box of table topics oh yeah or things like that and um start there as the ways to have conversation um what are you most looking forward to this upcoming year? What's your most bizarre pandemic purchase or newly discovered hobby? Um, I love one podcast I listen to always asks, what's on your nightstand right now? 17 um, water bottles. <laughs> because 
because it can be really funny that some people are like, okay, 17 water bottles. Somebody said a whole stack of books that I have not read in months and months, but the stack keeps getting taller. Um, I mean, there's lots of conversations like that. Um, what food is a must have for your holiday season? If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? Ooh. Why haven't you told them yet? No, do do not ask that at the dinner table. <laughs> do not, don't everybody that is, he's don't do it. You're thinking in your head, Oh, it's a podcast about vulnerability. And, and that might all be a little things. too vulnerable. Uh, do do you not might want to start ask, that one with your therapy. If you want to go a little bit, no, do not a ask bit, that question. A little, a little bit deeper of all the people in your family whose death would you find most disturbing? And why? oh god, <laughs> which one of us do you think is going to die first? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, y'all. Some of these questions, while they are get to know you questions, um, and really like bonding said, and connecting, they get deeper might, as they go. You might uh, not want to do that in a large group setting, and that might be time for you and your therapist. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I think you got to have backup. I I think it is it is not unreasonable that if you know that you have a muppet in your family who's going to just get. That's our term for participants who just gab their mouth, a.k.a. myself. Uh, So you know that if you have a Muppet at the table, get somebody on your team that, hey, when this happens and this is inevitably brought up, will you just help me steer the conversation back to something productive? And you'll be shocked at how having some backup really helps. Because there's always that somebody says something and then all you hear is clink clink especially because if if you're hosting there's sort of this presumption that as the host you're going to guide you're going to guide this conversation so not only do you have all these people coming into your home that you had to clean and get ready and then you've prepared a bunch of food to maybe even they're staying with you then then you're put in this situation where you have to somehow you know monitor the conversation at the table and keep it appropriate and that's, that's just added pressure to the whole situation. So I think that's a good idea. It's, uh, you know, I think in my, in my family, we know who those individuals are. And we also know who those individuals aren't. And I think relating to those, that sphere of influence who can guide it in a different direction when, when a hotly political topic comes up at the Christmas table that we just don't need to talk about. I think- the other way that you can take it of uh, make it a game of even if it's not questions to ask one another, pull out some sort of like family feud style questions of uh, and see what people would most likely respond. Yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the things, one of the uh, enjoyable things that Emily's family does uh, her dad is really, really into family photos. And so we um, almost after, almost every time we have like a big family get together, we all go into the living room and he shows these photos and shares like who they are. And, then, you know, of course, I'm I'm married into the family, so I don't know who any of them are, but he talks about them notes? and memories. I do. I try to like draw the diagram, you know, the DF. The, uh, family system what is that called uh any any the nuclear family genogram 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 the genogram yeah flow chart 
the flowchart, the family flowchart. Yeah, but but that's a really fun uh, alternative to so you you is to share those family photos and share mm-hmm. stories, and that gets people reminiscing and remembering and and then kids get to get engaged in the conversation because they're like oh i didn't know grandma Lindsay, um and i didn't know (laughs) grandma Lindsay that i had like some hidden talent that i did when i was 16 and nobody ever knew about again she got married at 60 had her first kid at 70 (laughs) grandma Lindsay. no but i mean like even medical technology is incredible even things like um you know, uh, that younger generations don't know, uh, all the things we did in middle school and high school, um, that we can tell those stories now. Um, Michael, I'm sure that your kids are getting to an age where they like want to know those seasons of your life. Like, okay, I did musical theater all through high school and we can talk about all how fun all those musicals were, or, you know, so-and-so played the instrument and the marching band. What was that like? Somebody else uh, played soccer until they hurt themselves. And you always reminisce on that one story of how they hurt themselves. Um, yes. Because it's not a painful one. It's a funny one where it's like out of all the things you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are fun. I, I not to, not to go back to our last episodes debate. But one of the fun things I've done with my um, in-laws when I'm in the car, I've, I've driven Emily's mom back and forth to, to to her home, which is several several hours, you know, apart from each other. And we, I'll pull up Amazon Music, <clears throat> not Spotify. But you could not use Pandora because you can't pick the song. <laughs> no, you can't. It's, that's not the purpose of Pandora. But you can open Amazon Music, and then I would just get her. I was just like, "All right, tell me your favorite song when you were a teenager," and we we'd find it and play it. And then and then she's like, "Oh, could you find this song?" And then she would tell a little story about that song. And it was like using music as like a bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do the same thing. Like you could ask, you know, if, if you could do the same thing with you, you've got the the grandparents in there, but you also have the kids. Like, what's your favorite song right now? You know, Austin. <laughs> also would be some kind of strange song like strange ways to die that's his favorite song right now he's, what? he's p- what? peculiar kid he's eight <laughs> <laughs> but you know like get them and let them play their song and everybody has to listen to it everybody you know like the like use third spaces uh mm. to to allow the community to be together i think that's another approach you could use that you know get alexa uh, going and trivia is a really songs. good one too because you can do some like intergenerational trivia stuff so when you, because really to win trivia you need some old people because they lived we call them the olds like if you are tri- playing trivia at a restaurant and you have some olds you're good because the questions that are like who was the vice president in 1974 who ran into a KFC chicken truck and then smelled like chicken at a meeting with the Chinese consulate? They'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. And they'll just remember because they were alive. But also they don't know a lot of the new stuff, too. So you can have questions and do some team trivia where the kids know some things and you kind of split up among generations, that's pretty fun. You got a lot of options for trivia games that you can play with the family and everybody can be the hero then. 
Yeah, I think overall, if we go in wanting to actively learn about somebody um, or find this uh, kind of neutral third space, um, then that's the way to do it. Because if we go in asking very pointed questions um, only on this linear timeline, all we're doing is implying whether we're intentionally doing it or not, um, implying a lot of shame along the way of you're not enough yet, or you will be enough if you get to that next step. Mm. Um, and that is never a healthy place to be of, uh, implying again, often unintentionally, uh, you're not enoughness. We do, we all do that internally, uh, frequently, uh, because that's how our brains work is that we often doubt ourselves, imposter syndrome, not feeling enough. Uh, we don't, we don't probably need the extra questions externally, um, to add to that internal potential shame of not being enough of, and acting like are the stair step accomplishments are the only thing that give you value. Mm. You are valuable because you exist. You are valuable and have worth because God created you, not based on what lifetime milestones you have hit. And so how do we celebrate more of who the person is instead of what the person does? And I go back to the old Dr. Phil question. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And honestly, I can't think of a more helpful question when you're spending the time with a family on a, on a holiday, you know, get together is, you know, you, you could spend your time trying to help everyone see your point of view, or you can just enjoy the fact that you have a family and you have a place to eat and you have people that love you and that a place where you can be yourself and you don't have to prove all of that. Mm -hmm. I think if everybody could do that, we'd be in a good spot. So hopefully <laughs> we can head that direction. Um, thanks, uh, Lindsay and Michael, for all of the advice. I'll take it into all of my holiday gatherings, and uh, I'm just going to be a bumbling bucket of positivity uh, and belief in sacred worth of individuals. Uh, and I, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be right. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm going to be right. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not, not going to be happy until I'm right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> That's exactly it. And, uh, uh, and at that note, let me just the last question. 36. This is one you should bring up. Share a personal problem and ask everyone's advice on how they might handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be one to skip. <laughs> could be skippable. Maybe you could ask the right person in private. Oh, <laughs> but, goodness. Well, hey, it's been a fun, a fun 2021 recording with everybody. Just want to celebrate another year of Not Alone recordings. Can you believe it? A little notch on our podcast belt of I faith mean, and mental health. There, There's a lot of hours of us talking in the world now. I love it. Having a great time. <laughs> thanks for your friendship and thanks for all the wisdom and uh, and the laughs along the way, everybody. Uh, for those of you who are listening, we want to say thanks again. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for 
all the editing and music and everything that Justin Patton does for our episodes. We appreciate you, Justin, and uh, we appreciate all the comments and feedback. And thanks for taking the time to listen. We hope that you have just a wonderful day and a wonderful time of laughter and joy around the table or living room or wherever it is uh, as you go into whatever your next gathering is with folks that might have some difficulty having some conversations with. So good luck. Goodbye. You want to say bye, everybody? Say bye-bye. Bye. Adios. (laughs) There they go. (laughs) We'll see you guys next episode. Bye-bye.